Hey, everybody. How you doing? And welcome to another episode of the John Riley Project. Happy New Year. We're back in action. Really happy to be with you. And, you know, we're covering a lot of the local news topics here in San Diego County. Uh, got three topics we want to put on the table here, put on the board. We're going to be getting into a little bit about our you know, with these storms that are going on, it invites the question about water, about infrastructure, some of the things that are going on in San Diego County. We'll talk a little bit about that. Um, I also want to kind of do a bit of a, d- a deeper dive on the San Diego gas and electric price increase that we're seeing with with natural gas prices. And then there's kind of an interesting story going on in the city of Carlsbad, and we want to break that down, take a look a little about, about some of the things they're doing to manage traffic there along the Pacific Coast Highway. So that's our game plan for today. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for being a part of this. You know, this is a live stream. That means we welcome your thoughts and comments. You can get on board, get involved in the community forum. Just type your questions and comments in the live stream on either Facebook or on YouTube, and we'll get you involved in the discussion. So happy to be back with you. You know, had a great Christmas and a great holiday season. I've been busy working through a bunch of, you know, my the work I'm doing with Hacksaw on Thursdays, all the sports content, but it's nice to be back working on my own project. And I'm really excited about that. So um, let's let's take a look at what's going on around the world. We've got, already got some comments here that are coming in on the live stream. We'll get you involved here. And uh, let's take a look who's in here. It's, yeah, it's Mike Devine. He says, Hi, John. Good day to be inside. And yes, it is, Mike. You know, it's just starting to rain right now. Um, So this is just a great opportunity to talk a little bit about water and some of the things that are going on here in San Diego County. So, um, you know... It just started raining kind of it's what time is it now? It's like one forty five and it just started raining, and we were expecting thunderstorms last night. They didn't happen now it's happening today, but it's a lot milder and isn't it funny how in San Diego County, the storms when they come down from Northern California, they always kind of wimp out by the time they get here. But you know, I saw a video yesterday of Santa Barbara and San Luis Obispo, and they were just getting pummeled with water. I mean, there were people on kayaks going down State Street in Santa Barbara. Um, so it's crazy how much water is getting pummeled, you know, in Northern and Central Cal. But here in San Diego, they, they still seem to sort of wimp out. But it invites the question about what's going on with the drought. Are we handling, are we managing water properly in the state of California? And I think there's a lot of really good um, lessons that we can learn from all this. And in fact, in San Diego County, I've often commented, San Diego is, I think, a step forward when it comes to water. Not only do they have the desalination plant in Carlsbad, there's the whole pure water initiative that's recycling wastewater into purified drinking water that's pure and cleaner than what we get out of our tap now. But also, San Diego County has expanded some of our reservoirs. Um, San Vicente Dam Reservoir out there near Lakeside, they raised the height of that dam and made it a lot bigger so the reservoir holds a lot more water. I think that's a great thing. So it invites the question, why aren't they doing more of that throughout the state of California? Because we always seem to go through this, right? It's a cycle. We go through periods of drought. 
I mean, I've lived in California my whole life. And I remember as a young child in elementary school being told we were in a drought. And then a few years later, we would just get, you know, these atmospheric rivers, these pineapple expresses that would flow into California and just completely flood everything. And then we go through a multiple years of drought again. And where does all that water go that was just slamming us? And a lot of it is captured in reservoirs, and certainly a lot of our reservoirs have been low. But it makes you wonder, are we building enough reservoirs? Are we capturing as much of this water as we can? Um, I remember as a kid, you know, I grew up in the Bay Area, and yeah, sometimes like my street would get serious rain. I mean, the street would be partly flooded. I remember one time my parents went to um, a concert at the Circle Star Theater in San Carlos, And they told me how they had to wade through deep water to get from their car into the theater. I think they were going to see like Kenny Rogers or something in the 1970s. So there's always been this cycle of huge rain followed by drought. And it makes you wonder when you add it up over the course of the whole cycle, is California actually getting enough rainwater overall It's just that we're letting so much of it slip through our fingers and roll out into the ocean. Now, you know, they've built a lot of reservoirs in California. Obviously, Lake Orville, Lake Shasta, some of the biggest ones in the state. Even Hetch Hetchy, which is out near Yosemite, you know, that Hetch Hetchy Valley was a pristine valley that environmentalists love. And it was walled off and turned into a reservoir. Um, to, to much to the dismay of a lot of environmentalists. And I think that seems to be the challenge. You know, we can't build enough dams because there's always people objecting to it. Um, when California, well, right now, California has a deficit for this current year, but the previous year had a huge surplus. I mean, we should be using that money to either build more desal plants or to build more reservoirs or to capture more of this water so that we can sustain life more effectively in the state of California because more people are moving in. California population has risen, although it's kind of plateauing right now. But are they building more dams, more water infrastructure? Sometimes it doesn't seem like they're building enough of it. So there's a city up in Los Angeles County, and it's I think it was called Sun City. I remember reading about them a number of years ago, and they have built cisterns in their city. And a cistern is like this old Roman water infrastructure idea or or concept where the water is captured underground. And they have built all of their city parks on top of cisterns. So essentially, while kids are playing soccer and and softball and football on these grass fields— Underneath, there is a concrete infrastructure being is built and water is, is captured and held there. And that just seems like a great idea. You know, perhaps we need to be doing more of that kind of thinking because it doesn't necessarily always need to be a giant dam that's going to essentially, you know, <laughs> flood an environmental zone, it could very easily be in our own city infrastructure, in our own city parks, where water can be captured and water can be essentially recycled and reused. So 
these are some interesting questions I think that are worthy of conversation. And there was a there's a really good video, and I'll include the link in the notes of a um, an assemblyman from for for the state of California. He's from Bakersfield. His name's Vince Fong, and he did an interview on KUSI channel nine slash fifty one. Does anyone actually use the 51 channel? That's the UHF, right? I mean, really, does anyone even use UHF anymore? I guess we should just call KUSI Channel 9. Um, But he did a really good interview where he was talking about the need to build a lot more of this infrastructure for our farmers, for, you know, for households. Because on one hand, we're being asked to conserve water. Because there's not enough. In some cases, we conserve water. And then as a result of conserving water, our water our water districts are not generating enough revenue. So they end up raising the rate and we end up getting penalized for conservation. So hopefully they can build more of this water infrastructure to make everything work a lot better. And I know here in the city of Poway, they're already talking about building, or actually they're on their way to redeveloping a lot of our water infrastructure. Part of this was the result of the water fiasco we had a couple of years ago, um, where rainwater got, you know, or, or storm water got mixed with our drinking water. And we had a boil water ordinance and that was kind of a mess. That was... Gosh, that was, yeah, a couple of years ago. Um, And that kind of triggered this whole investigation and a need to upgrade Poway's water infrastructure. But I'm glad that's happening because that's the kind of thing that we need to do because that water infrastructure was built, if I recall, like in the late 1960s. So um, coming along, making progress. So what are your thoughts and comments? Let me know on the live stream on either Facebook or on YouTube, and we'll get you involved in this. Um, So... I got a couple more topics I'm going to get into, a little bit about San Diego Gas and Electric. Some of the natural gas prices are skyrocketing now, and I know a lot of people are freaking out about that. We'll talk a little bit about Carlsbad, but uh, just want to say, hey, man, thanks for <laughs> – Thanks for being here. You know, we got a nice live stream audience. Thanks for everybody for watching. Um, you know, of course, we have the recorded versions wherever you get your podcasts. I want to start getting back to doing these San Diego news updates, you know, more frequently. I did five podcasts in December. Ideally, I'd like to be doing a couple of these a week. I mean, that would be about right. And then mixing in the interviews that I do from time to time. And and I think that'll round out the schedule really well. Um, There's just not enough coverage of local news. And I think this is a, a void that I think I can help fill. So thanks for being a part of this. I really appreciate it. Okay, um, let's move along and let's talk a little bit about um San Diego, where, what did I do with that overlay? Um, here, let me find this. Here it is. Ta-da. San Diego Gas and Electric national uh, natural gas prices are soaring. And this is something that I know a lot of people are really hot and bothered about. Because if you're an SDG&E customer, you know, we got a notice in the mail that the average person is going to see their their prices go up quite a bit. I mean, what was the note that was, um, oh, yeah, a household gas bill that came in to about $105 last January is now estimated to leap to about $225 this month, an increase of 114%. I mean, it's more than double. And frankly, 
there's a lot of people that are going to be spending even more than that. I mean, that's just your average household. There's a lot of, you know, larger homes. Like the house I live in is not small. So uh, our gas prices are going to be expensive as well. Um, so why is this happening? I want to kind of break this down. There's a lot of different angles to this um, that I think is worth it, worthy of exploring. But, you know, usually when there is this sort of increase in prices, people get mad at SDG&E. These guys are a monopoly. And yeah, they, I mean, they are a monopoly. They're a government sanctioned monopoly. Um, and they are really the sole provider for natural gas, unless you go out and buy propane and have kind of like your own system here, uh, you know, at your house. We certainly don't, but I know some people do that. Um, but wholesale prices, they claim are up 300% compared to January of 2002 um, or 2022. So in just a one-year span, wholesale rates are up 300% and they're able to, you know, only slightly more than double it for uh, at the retail level. And it's when you think about pricing, it's interesting because, you know, we're going through all this inflation and all these different aspects of our market right now. And in, and in the price that, people are paying, and it doesn't matter what you're paying for a house or a car or gasoline, natural gas, it's obviously based on conditions that are happening right now. But pricing is also a signal of what they expect to happen in the future. Um, And if prices in the future are likely to go down, then current prices start to go down. If conditions look more favorable for increase in production or a lowering in demand, then in the future, then you start to see prices decline. So when prices are going up, that means they're concerned about real time this instant, but they're also concerned about what's happening down the road. So why is is San Diego Gas and Electric like over doubling the price of gas? Usually it's not some evil conspiracy. Um, by, you know, people twirling their mustaches in the boardroom of SDG&E headquarters at Sempra Energy. It's usually, usually comes down to supply and demand. Usually supply is somehow limited and demand is usually increased. And those two in combination are what typically drive prices. I mean, that's true of all markets, of gasoline, housing, I mean, transportation, healthcare. I mean, we can go down the list. Now, of course, there are people in influence in government in various other parts of society that can distort what the supply is or distort what the demand is that can ultimately warp the pricing. Um, and that's definitely what's happening here. Now, What's going on with demand? Now, obviously, the demand right now is higher. It's colder right now. I'm I'm sure you've noticed it. Um, It's cooler. People here are starting to use their heaters probably a little more than they had in previous years. Uh, You know, all the rain. And then up in Northern California, like we said, I mean, they're just getting pummeled with water. It's a lot colder. The snow up in the Sierras, there's a lot more demand. And then, but people are saying, but you know, the price of gas is not nearly this high in the eastern part of the United States. The price of gas is a lot lower. But you know why? Is because the demand is a lot less. Demand is lower because they've been having a lot more warm months. I mean, over the, 
around New Year's, I remember talking to my son and he, you know, he goes to school in Oklahoma and he was telling me while we were in the 50s and you know, for us, that was kind of cold, but it was in the 70s in Oklahoma City. So there you know, has been a lot more warm weather on the East Coast, thus lower demand and therefore lower prices. So, you know, it just varies. Now, where does our gas come from? Now, I was surprised to hear this. 90% of it comes from outside the state of California. I didn't realize that. Um, I always knew California used a lot of natural gas. Um, but I had just assumed that it was being mined here locally. But it's coming, you know, from a lot of other Western states. It's coming from Nevada, Montana, New Mexico, Western Texas, et cetera. But there is another angle of this, and sometimes you'll hear Biden talk about this, where he's blaming inflation on Russia. It's all Vladimir Putin's inflation, right? And usually that's BS. But in this case, there's something to be said, because there's a lot less or maybe even no natural gas flowing from Russia into Western Europe. So where is Western Europe getting natural gas to heat their homes during the winter? A lot of it's coming from America. From liquid, nat- liquefied natural gas, LNG, this is what we're producing here in America. And a lot of this, we're shipping greater quantities of that to Europe to satisfy their need, which ultimately lowers our supply. So in, this, in the winter months, demand's high and supply is not as robust. I mean, a lot of our supply is going to Europe. So check this out. U.S. LNG LNG exporters boosted shipments to Europe by 137% in the first 11 months of 2022 compared to the same period in 2021. Um, According to Kepler, um, according to data from Kepler, which supplies more than half of Europe's imported LNG and helping the region weather a more than 54% plunge in pipe shipments from Russia. Okay, so Russia isn't completely cutting off Western Europe, but they're cutting it in half. And, you know, here comes America to the rescue, which is good. You know, I mean, we're supplying more energy there, and America is a huge energy exporter. Um, But it does have an impact on the market, right? Supply and demand. So we're having some of the supply leave the United States. That has an impact. Um, But there's a lot of other things going on. Um, Like I said, pricing, the signal for pricing is not just an indicator of what's happening at the moment, but also what could potentially be happening in the future. And I don't know if you saw the news, uh, it was either today or yesterday, but the Biden administration is considering a ban on gas top stoves. (laughs) So this is... You know, all part of this climate change, anti-fossil fuel agenda. Um, And it sounds kind of crazy on one level, you know. I mean, granted, Biden administration's argument is that it was increasing asthma in children. Is that true? I don't know. Um, I've seen some people dispute that. But this this is happening here locally. I mean, the city of San Diego recently passed an ordinance that I think over the next eight or so years, they're going to gradually phase out gas for new home construction. I mean, you can't go backwards in time and pull out the gas lines and take away people's existing gas stoves. 
they're talking about doing this for new construction. And I know that Encinitas, I think, has already done this. Um, I know Del Mar is considering it. And Encinitas and Del Mar, a large reason that they're doing this is because of climate change. It's all part of these city-level climate change action plans, which, by the way, Poway is one of the cities that doesn't have one. I live in Poway. Um, and so this is all part of these people, gung-ho environmentalists. We're going we're gonna to reduce the consumption of gas. Okay, and I, we can talk about that. We can break it down and discuss climate action plan, but let's just talk about it from the perspective of pricing, is that when there is a – looks like a future decrease in demand because of a ban on gas lines into new construction, that's going to disincentivize production of more natural gas and therefore reduce supply, which then is going to make prices go up. So these things all kind of intermingle with each other. So in this case, yeah, I mean, government policies are indirectly causing San Diego gas and electric prices to go up. So it's it's something. I'll tell you what. Um, so what can you do? I mean, we can't control SDG&E prices. We can't control what Joe Biden wants to do with stovetop gases, uh, stovetop ranges and, 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 uh, um, and gas cooking. We can't control what our local city is going to do in their climate action plan, particularly as it pertains to banning or, or maintaining natural gas infrastructure for new home construction. We just don't know. We just don't know. Um, but what we can do is we can control our own situation. We can control what we can control. So my recommendation is get solar. That's the first thing. Get solar. Generate your own power. Um, if you can, get a battery so you have battery storage. And, and granted, this is electricity, not gas. But if you are able to power most of your house with energy that comes off of the sun – then you can essentially, you have a competitive alternative to SDG&E. Now, I know that they're starting to monkey around with net metering rates, and you've got to play the game on how to optimize and maximize when you use your energy and when you don't, and that's a whole other cluster. But ultimately, we have to be able to control what we can control. And, and installing solar, installing batteries is definitely a good one. Putting in LED lighting makes a ton of sense. And then... You know, then you maybe you might be able to heat part of your home electrically. Now, granted, I know electrical heating of, of, of a house is a lot more expensive than gas heating. But if gas prices are going way up and you're generating electricity from the sun at a much lower rate, it actually might be more cost effective. But in the end, it just may come, come down to just putting on a sweater. <laughs> um, I know for me, sometimes I feel guilty if I'm here alone by myself in my house running the heater, if it's just for me, um, when I'm only occupying a small percentage of my house, so then, that, that, then I'll just put on like I am right now, a long sleeve shirt and put on a sweater and I'll be good. But um, people are, are upset, you know, about SDG&E raising their prices. A lot of people don't believe them. They think that there is some, some – um, 
riffraff going on. Is there? Well, I'm sure there is to a degree. But ultimately, the reason our prices are going up is always comes down to supply and demand. But people in influential positions are increasing the distortions, and that's for sure. Got a couple of comments here on the live stream. Let's get everyone involved. And it's um, – and here we go. Pete Neal. Pete says, so the Russian attempt to reclaim the Ukraine is a worldwide issue right down to individual wallets. And that's true. It is. There is some impact. There's no doubt. Is – is what's happening in Russia affecting inflation in America? Well, in this case of natural gas, it is. Um, as Also as a result, because remember, prices are signals of what's happening now and into the future. Yeah, that's having an increase in the price of gasoline, which also then increases transportation costs for the goods we buy, which increases the price we pay at the cash register. But at the same time, really, if you look at inflation overall, not just specific to energy, overall, the reason we're experiencing such high inflation is because of the policies that have come out of the pandemic. Because inflation was already going up before Putin invaded Ukraine. And and by the way, Pete, I noticed that you said, so the Russian attempt to reclaim the Ukraine, which I've been told... We shouldn't say the Ukraine. It's just Ukraine. Um, I think that's like an old – think how Russians referenced Ukraine and I think it makes some of the locals a little bit perturbed. Um, but uh, the price – like there are increases in the prices of cars, the increases in the prices of housing, the increases in the price of health care. A lot of that has nothing at all to do with what's going on in Ukraine. Um, some of that, I mean, actually, when it comes down to housing, a lot of that's because they've been limiting construction of housing when there's been so much demand. That actually goes back well before the pandemic. But in the case of automobiles, it's very clear that the pandemic policies by the federal government and the state local governments has had an impact. I mean, they they enacted stay-at-home orders and shut down businesses and people weren't driving as much. So automobile companies didn't produce automobiles because there wasn't much demand and people weren't traveling and they weren't going on vacation. And once they were no longer producing automobiles, semiconductor companies in Taiwan shifted their production from doing microchips for automobiles to doing microchips for webcams and all kinds of consumer electronics because people were working from home. And people were upgrading their homes for a whole variety of home automation products and services. And as a result, now you can't get the semiconductors to build the cars. And so the production of cars is greatly limited. And that's why we have really high prices of automobiles. And I went shopping for an EV a few months back. They wanted $15,000 over MSRP because there's huge demand, not enough supply. And that's why we have that's why we have a great deal of inflation there. So um, got a couple more comments here from Pete, and then we're going to jump into a little bit of news about Carlsbad. Pete says, therefore, because our gas exports to Europe going up 100 plus percent causes my gas bill goes up 100 plus percent. I am still on the right side of the cold, (laughs) although aged war. Yeah, I mean, 
part of the reason that our SDG&E gas prices are going up is because of what's happening with Russia and Ukraine. But that's not the only reason. There's also high demand right now, a lot more demand now than in January of last year here in San Diego and throughout the state of California. Combined with a lot of these signals about shutting down or not shutting down, but lessening or minimizing natural gas in people's homes. And that came from the Biden administration in the last day or two. Those are all signals that influence prices of what we pay today. Uh, Pete goes on to say, sorry, I always call it the Ukraine because of the fantastic technology they provided the Soviet Union when I was in the Navy. Okay, well, that goes back to the old Cold War time. And uh, yeah, it's it's interesting too, is you notice how um, the capital of Ukraine, not of the Ukraine, but the capital of Ukraine is now pronounced Kiev, where when I was being brought up, it was Kiev. Uh, but I think the locals changed the pronunciation to also to further distance themselves from the the Russian influence in their country. So it's something. So anyways, San Diego gas and electric prices are going up and uh, it's not comfortable. It's, it's not easy. Um, I'm just lowering the temperature. I know like one of our, well, actually both of our fireplaces are gas fireplaces. And, you know, I like to run the fireplace at night sometimes, especially, you know, around dinner time and, you know, making dinner and I got the news on and the fireplace on. It's kind of a nice vibe, but that's like, I don't know. It's almost like throwing dollar bills into your, into your uh, fireplace, isn't it? I mean, that's just burning a lot of gas. It's like a stovetop cooking times 20. Um, but it is nice and there's not as much cleanup, but you pay the price. It's expensive as hell to live in California and, and especially in San Diego. It's unbelievable. And this is just one additional layer. We already have crazy high electricity prices, high gas prices, um, you know, natural gas, but also gasoline prices, although I know they're coming down a bit now. High price for housing. I mean, it just goes on and on. So, okay. Welcome to the jungle. All right. So uh, got one more topic I want to get into here. But um, before we get into that, um, hey, if you want to get involved in my podcast, want to learn more, you can go to my website, johnreillyproject.com. There, I got all my podcast episodes there. You can subscribe on my mailing list. Um, there are links there to all the social media platforms, or if you want to continue the conversation there, you can do so. And I always, I always uh, encourage that, you know, or you can just go to my other website, connectwithjohnny.com. And that kind of has a summary of all the social media platforms, audio podcast platforms, sign up for the email, all the different ways to connect, and we can continue the conversation offline. And then, of course, you know, I often have guests here. So if you're interested in being a guest, you want to recommend a guest or recommend a topic to cover in our San Diego local news uh, coverage, you can just go to my website at johnreillyproject.com and we'll get you involved. Um, Okay, we've got one more topic to get to. And it's about Carlsbad. And Carlsbad's is putting in one roundabout and they're considering putting in more. And I saw this and it just kind of made me smile Um, because this was a topic that was discussed at length here in the city of Poway 
with some of the local candidates that I interviewed that were running for mayor and city council. Um, Delta Esparza particularly spoke at length about this, and and um, uh, it was about the idea of putting in roundabouts, you know, which are these kind of what do they call them? Um, circular intersections, essentially, to calm traffic. And apparently there is already one in Carlsbad that's been approved on Carlsbad Boulevard, which is the PCH right there on the coast, on the cliff, and and Cannon Road. And now they're talking about putting one at Carlsbad Boulevard and Tamarack, which, again, right there along the coast. And they're asking for public input. I mean, what do you think? Have you driven on a roundabout? Do you like them? I personally really like them. To me, they're fun. Um, they're a little bit challenging at first because you're not sure of the etiquette on how you go in and out of a roundabout, especially if it's a two-lane roundabout. It can get a little tricky. Um, but they're very interesting, and I think they're a really nice upgrade to keep traffic flowing, but flowing at a reasonable speed. So it kind of slows cars down, but still keeps them moving. And I think that satisfies both the driver that doesn't want to sit and wait at a light, but also satisfies local communities that want to have calmer traffic and more pedestrian-friendly walkways and more, um, you know, more of a work And um, a work-life balance, you know, it's a sort of commercial residential mixed-use areas where people are out and about that they feel like they can comfortably walk down the sidewalk without having to be, you know, zinged by 45-mile-an-hour cars going down the road. So um, I I think this is just a really neat concept. Um, I I drove on a number of these. They had a bunch of them when we were in the United Kingdom last year. Um, and they have them on highways, which is incredible. I mean, the highway will go a long distance, kind of a straight shot. And then about every, I don't know, five to 10 miles, there's a roundabout. And here in America, it would have been, if we're talking about highways, it would have been like a rural highway where there would be a four-way um, stop or a four-way intersection, you know, kind of like at you know, that four-way stop in the very end of the movie Castaway with Tom Hanks, you know, where he met the woman of his dreams and he finally delivered the FedEx package. You know, it was kind of like a four-way cross there in the in the in the cornfields of Nebraska or wherever it was. In it's those kinds of intersections that were in England where they actually put in roundabouts. And they actually have a lot more traffic than the example in that movie. But it made things kind of flow nicely. Now, and they didn't have to build giant overpasses and clover leafs, and it was just simple and easy, and it worked. Um, it's been discussed here in Poway. I mean, I even drove through one of them in the city of Pahrump, Nevada. They had one. It was kind of good. It worked really well. Um, and so it's to me, I, I think it's great that Carlsbad's considering this, especially since they pride themselves on being a village. You know, they don't really think of themselves as a city. Um, They pride themselves on being a village. And this kind of adds to that whole that whole vibe, that whole energy. Um, And I'm excited for them. And it's going to be right there along the coast, which I think will kind of make it even scenic as well. Um, So good on them. And I I think it's a it's something that's interesting for other cities to consider Um, here in Poway. 
you know, there's there's a group of people that are getting started talking about safe streets in Poway because um, we lost uh, a, a pedestrian lost their life about a month or so ago um, here in Poway off of Midland Road near Midland Elementary. Uh, tragic case. Um, and interestingly, the, the city's traffic committee that meets three times a year declined to have the meeting this month. They said there was nothing to discuss. And the and these people that are behind this Keep Poway Street Safe initiative were really angry about it. Rightfully so. But it's nice to see when different cities are incorporating these kinds of ideas. Um, it To me, in some cases, it's sort of an evolution because um, we don't always have to think the same way about roads, especially like in some of these areas where along PCH, I mean, it has a good amount of traffic there in Carlsbad, but it's not like Highway 5, you know. It's just, what is it there? I might be even only one lane in each direction, if I recall, right there along Carlsbad Boulevard. The intersection where a lady here in Poway lost her life um, on, on Midland Road is also one lane in each direction. Those could easily be converted into roundabouts, and I'm just encouraged. I just kind of like sort of progressive thinking about this sort of thing, um, that we can entertain different ideas about what to do with traffic. So uh, got a couple more here on the live stream. And Pete is always good to have some good comments here. Now on the uh, <laughs> on the YouTube feed. Pete says, I love roundabouts. They are chock full of apexes and apogees, but most cars can't handle that. And most of the people who drive through Poway don't know what lane they should be in. Yeah, they they take a certain amount of getting used to. Um, I remember when I was in the UK and driving into these roundabouts, my kids were like yelling at me like, Dad, what are you doing? Because, excuse me, I wasn't following the etiquette. And there is a certain kind of, flow to them where you take turns as you enter and it just there's it's a, it's a different a different feeling but once you kind of get the hang of it they're great and they work really well um so I'd love to see more of these here not just in my hometown of Poway not just in Carlsbad but in a lot of other communities because I think they make a lot more sense cuz traffic still keeps moving but it moves at a modest speed which is still friendly for neighborhoods and it can kind of calm traffic, you know, especially on these roads that aren't, you know, the definition of a road, it gets you from one spot to another in a hurry. This is being put on places where, you know, it makes sense. Pete Neal on the live stream says, or in some cases, how, how to park in parking spots. Yeah. A lot of drivers have some trouble on figuring some of this stuff out, but I think it's kind of cool that they're considering this in, um, Carlsbad, they've already got one approved in Carlsbad at Carlsbad Boulevard and Cannon Road. They're talking about putting one in Carlsbad and Tamarack, but right now they're asking for opinions and thoughts from the community, which seems a little odd. You think they'd wait until the first one was put in before people would be able to comment. But I'm glad they're doing that. Okay. Um, you know, this is funny. We covered three topics in this podcast. We talked about the water and the infrastructure. We talked about San Diego gas and electric and gas, natural gas prices. And we talked about roundabouts in Carlsbad. And I was worried that I wouldn't have enough 
to talk about. And here we are at 39 minutes into this podcast, and this is perfect. This is really just long enough for, for me to go. So um, a couple of updates about some things that I'm working on, if you're interested. You know, every Thursday I do a podcast live stream right here in this podcast studio with Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, you know, the legendary um, sports talk radio host and the former play-by-play man of the San Diego Chargers. So we get together every Thursday at three. If you want to check out that, it's all sports. Um, just look up Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, wherever you get your podcast. We live stream on Lee Hacksaw Hamilton's YouTube and Facebook pages. So be sure to check that out. And then on Friday, I've also been invited to be a guest on Ed Franklin's podcast. And Ed is a great guy. He's been a guest on my podcast a few times. Um, Ed is the former um, uh, president and executive director of the Poway Chamber of Commerce, a longtime Poway guy, just a really good positive vibes, inspiring individual, always has great things to say. And we're going to talk a little bit about – we're, ta- we're going to talk a little bit about the uh, the new year and some maybe some uh, I don't know if it's going to be about new year resolutions or you know turning the page on the old year. I think we'll find out a little bit about it, but it's going to be more about that whole concept: new year, new you, and uh, embracing everything there is to to embrace there. So, um, okay, so it's Tuesday. I'm still working on settling into a schedule here. Ideally, I'd be doing this at noon two or three times a week. But you can always look to my website, johnreillyproject.com. Once I lock in on a good schedule and a good rhythm, I'll post it there. In the meantime, I may just sort of pop up in your live stream feed. But I do know that I get way more listens and way more views to the downloaded audio-only podcasts as well as to the the recorded YouTube video, especially when I take this and break them up into segments, we get a ton more people listening and watching there. So um, thanks for your support. Really appreciate it. Again, if you want more information or if you want to support the John Riley Project with a monthly contribution, you can go to johnreillyproject.com. And Happy New Year, y'all. We'll be back at you real soon. Take care. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed today's show, do me a favor, subscribe and then share it with a friend or leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Let's continue the conversation on social media. Go to connectwithjohnny.com to get links to our social media content, audio podcast platforms, and to sign up for our mailing list. To be a guest, read my blog or get more information please visit johnreillyproject.com to get started.